Welcome to Day 2 Cloud. On today's sponsored episode with Cisco Thousand Eyes, we discuss how to monitor what's broken in public cloud services. That way, when the executives want to know when the company's crucial customer-facing app hosted on a bunch of cloud services is coming back online, you can offer a nuanced, knowledgeable answer. Here's what I'm getting at. There's a big difference between saying, we don't know for sure what's going on, but there's a problem in AWS and hopefully they fix it soon and saying, we know that for the last half an hour, the AWS API gateway in the U.S. East region, that's responding really slow to some requests, and so some of our customers are working fine and some aren't, and we're going to recommend a plan of action ASAP. Hmm. To give that second confident answer, you need data that clearly shows you what the problem is, and that's where Cisco Thousand Eyes comes in. On this episode, we're going to dissect a couple of recent public cloud outages the Thousand Eyes Global Monitoring System tracked and talk about the newest product added to the Thousand Eyes Internet Insights product line called App Outages. And our guests today are Barry Wayne and Chris Villame from the Cisco Thousand Eyes team. Barry, I want to hand this first question off to you. Um, okay, I'm setting you up with a softball here, but I think it's a fun topic to hit. Public cloud outages, they're getting more nuanced, right? Uh, and a simplistic understanding, kind of like hit on in the intro, AWS is down. But for IT operators, that's actually not even a true statement. AWS is never completely down. That's not a thing. It's not even helpful to, to diagnose a situation like that. Uh, and so the obvious answer to get a more nuanced uh, answer and an understanding of what's really broken, you just monitor the cloud service provider status pages, right, Barry? Uh, I, I, not exactly. Um, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, they, they certainly have their place, right? And I think ultimately it's a good source of truth if you, if you think about like a postmortem. But um, for these types of outages, and just like you kind of hit on, it's not as simple as the, the cloud is down. You know, it could be a DNS issue. It could be something upstream from them that's preventing your users from reaching the app that's in the cloud, um, whether that be AWS, Azure, GCP, whomever. Um, and from a timing perspective, you're already impacted and you've been impacted. You've been spinning your wheels by the time the status page is updated. So if that's your first indicator of what's going on, then uh, you're going to have a bad time because you're spending a lot of time doing work that may not be useful trying to figure it out. Yeah, and just to add to that, I mean, I, I you know, when we say, uh, how, can I just know if if AWS is down? That's just you know, like 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 saying, hey, is the network happy? I mean, that's you know, that's it's such a <laughs> such a generic thing. You know, I, I think Amazon Web Services, for example, they list something like a like a like a robust two hundred and plus different services as part of their cloud offering. So they have a you know a huge number of these individual uh, kind of service offerings that that intertwine and talk together, and you know, ultimately provide all, all of the things you need to do to, to, to you know, have compute, storage, network, security, database, and, and provide these applications. So when we say AWS is down, what, what are we talking about exactly? And I think that's the, the, the crux of the issue. It's not different from what we've done when we used to run everything on-prem, right? Because as a network engineer, that very typically one of my IT roles, someone might call over the wall and go, is the network down? It's like, no, the network's not down. What? Dude, don't ask me if the network's down. Tell me what the problem is and we'll diagnose from there. And then I can look at the all the monitoring systems, monitoring all the things, and then kind of drill in from there and figure out exactly what the issue is based on a symptom. And if you're just saying, is the network down? You're not even asking the right question. And so it's kind of the same thing with public cloud here. You need to know a more nuanced understanding of what's broken to then figure out impact and so on and so forth. So it's not different from what we did on-prem, although it is different, isn't it? 
I think back about 20 years ago when I was doing network engineering, I mean, we, we were we were control freaks about data. If you think about it, you know, we had we had inline taps even for our, our, our T1 uh, interfaces, our, our DS3s to different. You know, we built our own WAN. We we had monitoring at the actual uh, CSU DSU going to the T1. We had uh, robust, uh, you know, syslog and, and, and SNMP and flow data and inline taps and all of this stuff. We had an overload of data. Right. So I, I had. I had huge confidence. In fact, we had so much data that they started having to develop tools just to correlate all the data to make some sense of it because you had so much of it, right? So I was like, it was, it was data overload, all, all you could give me. And I, here I, you know, I, I had the utmost confidence that I could find somewhere within this, you know, this haystack, you know, that, that needle I was looking for, right? I had an overabundance. And, and now, you know, we go to cloud, I, I, I have the opposite scenario, right? Not, not only do I not have direct control to, you know, that, that level of, of all this infrastructure I don't control, but now I'm, I'm backhauling across uh, the internet as, as kind of my, my, you know, my, my new, my new man. Right. So it's, um, it's, it's a different animal today. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd say the end goal of your troubleshooting is even like slightly different, you know, because when you control everything, you really need to get to root cause so you can remediate it. But for this, it's really like, you've got to isolate it down to just some sort of fault domain, one, two, then you determine if it's something you can directly impact and, and remediate. And three, if it's not like you need to come, uh, you know, with your case prepared and your information vetted when you go to your vendor to get the help, because, you know, I, I think uh, we kind of assume that, that all vendors are created equal and they have all of the information, but, you know, depending on the monitoring stack that you're using, you might actually have more information about the issue than what they have readily available. So it's just a, it's kind of a shift in mindset and uh, you know, the, the flow is a little bit different. It, it is different. You're right. And, and, and I guess, you know, that you brought up a good point. So ultimately when, when I'm trying to resolve some type of performance or, or some type of, uh, uh, you know, impact uh, it's the two things, you, the two things you always care about. I got to isolate that, that fault domain that, you know, find, find root cause. And then, and then here's the other part I have to find, you know, the service owner of, 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 of that piece of, infrastructure or that, or that service that, or that, or rather that spot where it broke. Right. So whether that be my, my internet provider, that whether that be, uh, you know, the, the guy that runs the firewall, or if it's, you know, someone that runs the backend database, you know, it, it was all still the same stuff. It's just that we've now extended this into an area that's quite honestly, it, it, much more challenging and, and getting fault domain isolated and, and, and considerably more challenging. We can dig into this throughout this, but considerably more challenging to, to identify service owner. You know, to find the person or, or the group or the team or the, or the corporation, whatever it is that can that can address this issue or mitigate or work around. Right, Chris, in the world of public cloud, we have this idea of the shared responsibility model, which means you're responsible for a portion of the application being functional and they're responsible for the services that they're providing to also be functional. But they're going to assume that you screwed up first. <laughs> so yeah. you kind of have to prove to them it's not me it's you. Here's the data I have. Go fix your thing because I don't have access to that layer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same thing that, you know, I remember being on call, you know, 15 years ago and you'd get, you know, the knock would see some error about a database error. It's like a, literally a database error. It's not an IP address or anything in there. And they're calling me at 3 a.m. Hey, you know, the first stop we go to with literally thing, any, anything that pops up on our dashboard. And, and it's the same thing today, right? So, you know, now I, I may no longer be, you know, network engineering. Maybe now I'm a, you know, service delivery engineer trying to interface with all this stuff, but it, it's still the same thing, right? It's, 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 
you're it's still on you as the operator of this uh this application and this service that you're providing to your customers and your partners, it's still on you to, to determine where, where that fault is ultimately. Right. And, and those outages do happen on the major public cloud providers. And, you know, we need to figure out how that impacts us as operators. Um, one example that we've talked about before, and I think you have some really good information on is a, an outage that AWS experienced. It was on December 7th. 2021. So can you give us uh, the 10,000 foot view? What was the outage? And how did you measure that outage from a thousand eyes perspective? Uh, yeah, no, this was an interesting one. Um, so, so again, I mean, keeping in mind that uh, our, our goal is operators of services housed in cloud uh, or services, off, you know, wherever, wherever it is in, in IT ops that I'm responsible for, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to determine, is it, is it, is it, you know, my ISP connection? Is it, is it something collective on the internet? Is it, is it something specific within AWS? Is it something specific with my, within my environment? And so what we saw on this one, uh, it was, it was a little confusing at first, right? Because uh, the first thing that started getting impact was EC2 service. And and in fact, what was happening is if you had an existing EC2, uh, you know, virtual instance of, of, you know, within Amazon, you were probably fine. But if you were trying to do any kind of a modifications to EC2, you'd start to run into these issues. And and, and we started seeing kind of, you know, increased... API error rates. Uh, I think if I recall, it was actually located in their US East one uh, region over there in uh, Ashburn, Virginia. And, and it actually started then impacting multiple other services. So the first impact we saw as, as Thousand Eyes was, was EC2, um, or one of the first impacts. We saw EC2 was, was having some, some issues and some other uh, APIs that we were monitoring, like S3, we started to see some other issues. And, and this ended up cascading. I think it ended up uh, you know, impacting Dynamo uh, database, Connect, various other services with, within Amazon. But um, the, the interesting thing we saw with the tool is that we were able to pretty quickly isolate this to number one uh, uh, being an issue on the internal Amazon side. So the, the way we do that with, with Thousand Eyes is we get that you know that end-to-end layered visibility, right? So we we look at things from uh, uh, you know just the basic transport layer, just from A to B. It, it, do I have anything that's impacting my my IP packets, uh, loss, latency, uh, you know, jitter, throughput, any of these sorts of conditions? And and we saw nothing. And everything looked healthy and green. We had good latency, uh, no packet loss, uh, you know, between the various uh, vantage points around the internet and and Amazon's uh, EC2 and, and various other API services. But what we did see is when we take it up a layer and we start trying to talk to the API itself, that that's that's when we would reveal the issue. And so, you know, this is one of those kind of interesting things that just it just reveals how much these these dependencies kind of weave together. Right. Um, I, I think if I recall, the, the main issue was something related to their API gateway. But, you know, this this in turn impacts uh, almost everything behind that API gateway. So, like I said, it impacted EC2, Dynamo, DB, S3, you know, the storage service, all these other uh, additional services. Now, Chris, if I remember right, that outage against the API gateway was uh, was a gray failure. That is, it wasn't like the API was completely unresponsive. It was more like it was slow, and sometimes transactions would go through fine, and sometimes they would time out just because the API seemed seemed busy or overloaded or something. Was it? It, it was that sort of a failure, was it not? 
Yeah, it, 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 you're, you're right. It was. It was, uh, you know, it's something like I think some, we might have seen like 60 percent or so success rates, uh, you know, for, for certain of our, our you know tests and then 40 percent failing. So it, it was it was it's one of these sorts of things. And, and actually, that's a good point. I mean, the idea of these gray failures or, you know, what I used to call soft failures, uh, you know, many years ago, that can be some of the most challenging things to solve, because then it becomes so difficult to know, is is this me? Is, is, is it only me experiencing? this outage is it are other people experiencing this outage is it you know when, what's called when is it happening is it happening all the time is it certain combinations of things that that allow you know maybe my customers to be impacted and not other uh, other customers it, it becomes a very very challenging thing to try to ascertain now it, 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 you get enough of a data set behind it you know like something with with thousand eyes visibility you, you can make some more conclusive assessments we could start saying okay you know, this is consistently, if not 100% of the time, it's still consistently intermittently failing at, at responding when we query Amazon's uh, API uh, gateway service, for example. And so it was pretty clear that that, that service, and, and, and that's kind of one of their main front end services, you know, uh, was, was, was having an issue uh, of some kind, right? Uh, not 100% failure, as you know, but some type of uh, issue that was greatly degrading uh, performance. Right. If I'm, you know, the individual user and I just go to spin up an EC2 instance and it fails, I might try a few times and then eventually it'll succeed because I'll hit that like 60% threshold you're talking about. Or if I'm using a Terraform script to build out a whole environment, I might have to run it a few times or it has some internal back off logic to try a few times before it gives up and throws me an error. What you're talking about is, no, you're just constantly pinging those APIs and, and sending requests with an expected output. How do you figure out what to test for uh, against the APIs that AWS has? There's going to be some uh, responsibility on the architect. Uh, that's you know, so. Let's say I'm the, I'm the cloud. Uh, you know, let's say I'm a, I'm a native cloud architect. I'm building my stuff up in, in Amazon. You know, it, it's going to be on me to to understand what services I'm using, what APIs I'm I'm, I'm hitting, and so forth. And and ultimately, I, I would have some kind of a you know app, application architecture that that you know I, I I can I can provide to you know IT ops or uh, you know kind of the people res responsible for for monitoring the service and <laughs> you so say forth. That's so hopefully, yes, but, <laughs> but the, the, the point is someone that understands the application would say, hey, these are the things that you should be testing. Here, here's a good list. This way we can have a robust monitoring that uh, because of the results that we're getting back, we kind of know not just that it's up or down, but that it's the app is responding in a timely way and with a result set that we expect back when it's working right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, if I if I'm building some some application and I know we're using, for example, um, uh, AWS's uh, what is it, Identity and Access Management, their IAM service. Well, well, then that's probably something I, I should note to, to to my my folk and 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 say that hey, this is this is a, a critical service that that needs to be monitored of of the you know maybe the the dozen or so API services that I'm interacting with. Here, here's one of them, and, and and this one is going to be particularly critical because it, it it pertains to authentication, right? So, but it, but it's it's still going to be on me to to know at least what the list of things. Well, just, just like if I if I you know going back 20 years and I'm building something in a, in a data center, well, I, you know, hey, I've got a, a fleet of these Solaris boxes and they're running this, and I've got Oracle DB you know database on the back end, and it's you know at this IP, I was still responsible for providing that application architecture. So it's, a, it's the same thing today. I don't think this is any different. It's just, um, you know, we, we, we maybe 
can get a little sloppy or lazy about it potentially because it, it, it seems so seamless, but it's, it's, it's same concept. So it's, it's, uh, well, and, and I, I would say that you're, you're definitely right, Chris, it's a lot easier to kind of ignore some of it now or wait, but it, it, it comes up, right. All it takes is like some sort of issue or a migration or, you know, rolling out like an additional microservice and something, you know, borks and uh, you know, then it's like, well, is that normal? Is that the latency we normally see in between these two points? Is this mm. normally this slow? Does this normally happen like this? And then, you know, you get to the root of, oh, we don't have any normalized data set. So how would we know, <laughs> you know, other than gut feel? And it's like a kind of working in reverse, right? So I, I view it like you set up unit test, you set up regression testing. If you're on the SRE team or anything else, this is just like another component of that, trying to be more prepared um, for the experience. Yeah, no, this is definitely something SRE would, would greatly benefit. I mean, the, the reality is, 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 is think about what we've done with cloud. So, we, so we've, we've basically, uh, we, we've separated all the pieces of infrastructure and software into these, you know, discrete specialized apps to, you know, not just handle things like storage, compute, database security, but, you know, network, web, load balancing, uh, 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 you know, everything else. So, so in other words, we've got this, a bigger solution split into these, various individual software pieces. And, and, and this is maybe same as it was before, but now these individual software pieces are going to have different locations, different IP addresses. They're going to require APIs now to talk to each other and stitch everything together into the seamless thing. So it, it becomes a, um, you know, where, where you might maybe could once monitor aspects of, let's say, three systems. Uh, now maybe you're at monitoring aspects of 20 systems. And, and it can get, you know, even worse if, if, I, if I'm also with, with my cloud apps, I'm, I'm talking to various um, SaaS things. Like maybe I, uh, you know, I interact with PayPal for payment services or, or Vimeo for video streaming or, or whatever the thing is, right? So now I've got not only all my pieces within cloud are chopped up and, and, and accessed and, and you know, ultimately monitored by, by various APIs, but I may be talking to stuff outside even AWS environment that also has separate service ownership and, and you know, again, additional infrastructure that's still not mine. So it, it, it just it just makes it a it, it can be an unwieldy thing, you know. Well, well Chris, there's a, there's a piece here that we can help the audience visualize if they're using Thousand Eyes to do some of this monitoring, where Thousand Eyes just kind of gives it to you, you know, out of the box and maybe you click something and magic happens versus how much time you're spending writing tests that are unique to your environment. I, mean, I, I go back, I'm a Thousand Eyes customer uh, but way back in the early days of the product, going like like 2015 or something, I used it on a uh, on a wide area network to do lots of monitoring and testing. That was pre everyone's on the cloud now, you know, days. People were doing it, but that was that was more or less a, a new thing. So if I were to fire a thousand eyes today, and I want to validate that a variety of different AWS services are up and running, am I checking boxes to enable? tests and then magic happens? Or is it like, here are a series of tests you can enable. Here's one, you take it out and then, I don't know, fill out a form to do a bunch of customization of how that test is going to interact with the service that I want to validate. 
Yeah, no. So we within the product itself, it's not um, you know it's not a matter of checkboxes in the sense that hey, we 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 understand all of the service delivery offerings of Amazon, and we're just going to put it in our GUI, and you can check them off. It's it's you know that I think it would be hard for us to to keep up with that just because they're continually adding new things and, and modifying. But 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 here's the thing. I mean, it it, it it's it's still almost that easy, but I would still have to know what those service endpoints are. And of course, now, as we know, everything's referenced by a, you know, a, a URL, a, a web URL, right? Now, th- thankfully for, for Amazon, they're, they're fantastic documentation, right? I can go on to uh, look at their, you know, whatever it is, they're huge. Like they've got like a 500 page document of all their, you know, services and, and all those service endpoint URLs and, and everything else you could possibly want to know about each of these services. So, you know, I have all of that information available to me as a, as a cloud developer, but it's, 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 it's going to be a little more involved than just checking a box, but it's not much more involved. I, I have my list of service uh, endpoints by URL and I, yeah. you know, no, I can enter them into the, into the, into the product and, 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 and I would readily I would start monitoring. One thing that has changed though, Ethan, that the, you know, to Chris's point, it's not as easy as checking a box and maybe it's not as uh, fine toothed as a very specific test to a specific backend service. But, um, you know, you kind of alluded to this in the intro, but we have internet insights and application outages. And the the reason I bring that up is it lets you take advantage of like composite data from all of the tests being executed in the platform, not just your own. And what's cool about that is, you know, if you're interested in AWS, you're interested in Azure, you're interested in like any other service, whether that's like your, where you're, the majority of your app is hosted or just a microservice you use, you can actually come in, select from a list of IS services, select from a list of providers, really anything, and see a rolling 12 months of outage data, You know whether that's network-related or uh, application-related, and it updates in real time. So not only is it like, hey, let me look back and see if this is a healthy service and one that I should use when I'm architecting something, but also, you know, is the world impacted? Is this region impacted? It, it gets you a place to start, right? So again, just restating that, that is the the app outages. That That's an add-on. That's a bolt-on for the Thousand Eyes product. Yeah. I license that, and then I have access to that data set. And the data set is, again, not just my data from interacting with those services and running my own tests. It's some kind of anonymized data set from everyone within the Thousand Eyes world, all the Thousand Eyes customers that are uh, I was going to say pinging that service, but it's it's going to be a more robust test than a simple ping, right? So <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because if you think about it, we've got it. You know, uh, Barry might know the exact number, but we've got millions of tests going at any given time. So so the the, the idea here is that not only do you benefit from your own tests that that you purposefully set up, right? Uh, but now you can benefit with this, this bolt-on uh, for you know to see information about aggregated application and and and, and network outages you know, you know gleaned from telemetry from vantage points all over the globe. So we've got that collective cumulative anonymized data from essentially millions of of other customer tests uh, to 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 give these essentially bigger insights in terms to bigger things that's happening that are happening in terms of a service provider and, and SaaS provider impacts. A key thing that you mentioned a little while ago was sort of the multi-cloud nature of it. The fact that it's not just monitoring AWS, but it's also monitoring Azure and other public clouds you might be using. And I think that's really, really important. I just finished reading one of the state of the cloud reports, the one for 2022, and it said 89% 
of organizations are pursuing a multi-cloud strategy. So they're going to be interested in more than just AWS and what's going on there. And to give an example, you, you also brought up an, an outage uh, as we were discussing you know, what to talk about. In Azure, that happens like a week after the AWS outage. And so uh, same question there, what happened and when, what did you see from Thousand Eyes? Yeah, so this one, uh, this one's actually, it's a really good one around sort of that, uh, I don't want to say like um, soft down, but but really around like the the prevalence of like distributed cloud services to make that sound really eloquent. Um, but uh, <laughs> the idea uh, with that one or what we saw was if you were just monitoring, you know, some endpoints in Azure, like, hey, I have, you know, this hosted in this VPC, everything would have probably looked fine. Now, whenever things started to look funky, that would be when you went to authenticate against a service that you're using or you were using Azure AD as your identity provider. And that's where we started seeing failures, right? So you get like a 403 back or you see something weird happening from an authentication perspective, whether that's, you know, uh, I, I refer to it as the white screen of death whenever the whole SAML exchange kicks off and <laughs> you're just sitting there spooling indefinitely. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's, it was a painful one because that was one that your users felt. You couldn't just explain it away like, hey, this is slow or, hey, um, you know, we're aware of this particular uh, portion of the application that's broken. You literally would have just had to have been one of the lucky few that needed to, um, you know, get a new token basically for your session and authenticate. And if you were that, that winner, then you didn't get your token. You just got a quick trip to staring at a blank page. So, mm-hmm. um you know, it was resolved relatively quickly, but but that one, you know, again, we we take this broad sweeping approach at Thousand Eyes, where we monitor everything, right? Like that's we're we're in the business of knowing everything we can know about what's happening on the internet or with these you know broadly used apps. But uh, for people who run ops or design, you know, sort of uh, their monitoring approach, this is like one of the most oft forgotten parts, right? It's just hey, is my site up or down, or can I get to the front door? It's not, can I do the other things I need to do? Well, you, you, yeah, so oh, I was just going to add. So, I mean, imagine being SRE in, in, in these environments, right? And, and, and so now as an SRE, I, especially in multi-cloud, now I have to worry about uh, in terms of being able to get from, from point A to point B and, and performance between these two points. Now I have to worry about cloud to cloud, whether it be multi-cloud or inter-region or inter-availability zone, whatever it is, right? Uh, I have to worry about clients to cloud. So, you know, this is the service delivery stuff, what, what customers are seeing. I, I might have to worry about client to a, to a SaaS uh, 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 endpoint, um, you know, be, whether for customers or, you know, enterprise staff. And, and even as a cloud dev, now I'm worrying, I have to worry about cloud to various SaaS services. Uh, you know, I'm trying to get to Jira, GitHub, you know, Docker Hub, these, these sorts of things. So uh, it, it's just, again, this is, this is SRE stuff, I think, in today's uh, uh, world, but this is, it's that cloud to cloud uh, monitoring again, like who, whose fault is it? I've got some piece of something talking to something to talking to something, you know, where, where, how, how do I even go about uh, determining where this, especially when I own none of this infrastructure, right? You're, you're getting at something here. That's another one of those problems. That's the same as it ever was, but it's different now. There's some different parameters around it. And that is dependency. So back in the days when we all lived in our little silos and had our own monitoring systems, we'd look at our stuff and have red light, green light. And if it was a network monitoring system, you didn't necessarily know what apps were 
impacted by a slow link, let's say. You didn't know what that dependency tree was until you'd been around the org for a while and you kind of seen some problems come and go and you kind of built those mental models up. Then we went and moved into application performance monitoring and maybe you had some tooling that would help you with those dependencies better. Great. Now we're on the in the cloud environment. You you were talking about multi-cloud, cloud to cloud, uh, making calls to a variety of services that are part of delivering a particular application transaction. There can be all kinds of complex dependencies. How how how? That's the that's the question. How how do I figure out what those dependencies are and understand those from a monitoring perspective so that it's fairly clear to me, ah, the AWS API gateway is having a, you know, a 60% fail rate and that's breaking X application that matters to the business. It's a composite approach for sure. I mean, you mentioned a few different technologies that, that make it a lot easier, whether it's a combination of an APM implemented directly on top of the service that, you know, you're managing and hosted in the cloud to sort of help map out some of that backend stuff, or it's, you know, testing from a thousand eyes perspective, uh, you know, one, an advantage point that sits where your users sit, but two, from a vantage point that actually sits within that cloud environment, um, you know, and testing against all the requisite services. Um, you know, I, we talked a, a little bit about earlier, sort of the need for someone to sit down and really map out these things when they architect the software or, you know, whatever application they're delivering or experience they're delivering is probably the the more appropriate way to phrase it. But um, you can actually get there on your own or it, not entirely, but pretty darn close. And, uh, and you kind of take that approach as a user and you access this web-based app. Well, your browser is making all of these calls and your browser is going to tell you, you know, what it's hitting if you just know where to look for it. And what's cool is, you know, we have testing techniques, you know, just like you mentioned earlier, it's not as simple as a ping. It's a, it's as complex as a bot running Chrome and accessing stuff and pulling down every single element and telling me exactly where that element's hosted and, you know, all the performance timing around those specifically. And, and what's cool about that is you get a lot of the picture without a lot of the effort, right? Cause all you need to know is where to tell it to go. You just have to, when you configure the test, say, hey, this is the app I'm interested in. And you can record yourself, you know, clicking through a few different things. And what's awesome about testing that way is you're accounting for like the auth issue we were just talking about. We're performing authentication. If it fails, I can't do any of the other stuff I wanted to do. And it's going to tell me, hey, bud, you can't log in. Like <laughs> You need to go look at the login service or, hey, there's a 100% loss right here. That's probably not so good. And uh <laughs> You know, it really, it gets you there fast, but you don't have to spend as much time or effort kind of covering things from all aspects. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, because that, that's that's really the benefit of, of, of you know, synthetic traffic, right, is, is it gives me the ability to put um, you know, what's essentially like an operational overlay on top of a network that I don't control, but I'm now using it as my own personal network and, and then glean uh, actionable insights from, from, from underneath, right? And, and, and that's, that's, that's ultimately what, what, what we're trying to accomplish with uh, and what we accomplished with Thousand Eyes. Something that strikes me is you also need to know what your objectives are for your service levels, because if you know that it's, uh, you know, maybe there's a 2% failure rate on that API, is that okay? Like, do I have retry logic somewhere else that's going to be fine with that? Or is this a situation where 2% of my customers are going to be unable to complete their transaction, which is, I don't know, $20,000 a minute that I'm losing. And, you know, if that's the case, 
I need a different SLO uh, applied to that particular service. So I think it's really important from the architecture standpoint to first establish what are my objectives? What am I actually trying to deliver? And then have everything else kind of trickle down out of that. That's I, I guess that's the whole the SRE uh, approach yeah. to <laughs> application design. No, you nailed it. I think, yeah, that's you you set goals and then you utilize a normalized data set to validate that those goals are accurate, you know, based on what you see and then create a run book or alerts and everything off of that. And it's, uh, yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, that's you're hundred percent right, Ned. <laughs> and and that's kind of how I see what 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 Thousand Eyes is 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 trying to accomplish. Well, I think it does accomplish. It's 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 essentially we needed a new uh, common operating language to describe uh, internet performance, SaaS performance, cloud performance, web app and, and API uh, performance, and 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 how how do we get that? And 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 if we if we try to separate all the pieces out and like, Hey, I only want to look at this from an IP layer perspective of loss, latency, jitter, and so forth. But how, how do I map that to something that a user experiences? Right. So that it's, it's, it's more than that. I mean, I, I could, I could throw up a, 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 a script with, you know, iper for HPing or something and try to, you know, ascertain something between two points, but that's, that's, that's a very kind of a, a limited metric that I'm going to have now. That's not going to give me a, a full layered view of, of, of how that application is performing across all of these different uh, uh, spans of control, ultimately. Hmm. This, this may not be a fair question to ask you guys, Barry and Chris, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Based on your observations of the kinds of cloud service provider outages that we've seen, we've talked about two here, the, the AWS and Azure outages that happened at uh, end of 2021. It, do you have recommendations or thoughts on how, how I build a resilient application that when some major cloud component fails, my app is resilient and it carries on. That's a really, really good question. Uh, and <laughs> I don't know why, but when, when we get something like that in my head, it's kind of like, uh, someone talking about your stock portfolio, right? Diversify, <laughs> diversify, diversify. <laughs> right? So, uh, you know, not, not to use buzzwords, um, but I'm gonna, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's multi-cloud, like, you know, whether that's multi-region, whether that's like across different vendors, you really need some sense of, of sprawl. Really, you just need to think about your strategy for mitigation. And I say it that way because people don't, you know, you architect the app and you just assume that, well, there's like, this is a high availability environment that I'm hosting in and that's good enough. And sometimes it's not. Right. Well, and that so, was part of the original promise, though. When you put it yeah. in AWS where it's super resilient, redundant, blah, it's going to be great. And then it's like, yeah, you really should be spreading across availability zones. Yeah, you should really be spreading across regions, really. And have you thought about any casting? And and so yeah. on. It kind of the, 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 your ability to be truly resilient gets within just within one cloud. It's a massive undertaking with a lot of different components you can light up and pay dearly for you know, to get that <laughs> resilience. Uh, and it, yeah. it does become a, an architecture question, but then it's also a, a money question. And then it's also, yes. <laughs> yeah, but all yeah. my, all my customers are in this one place and that doesn't make sense to stand something up in Europe because I don't have any customers there. Maybe. Yeah. So it's, it's complicated. 
Yeah, no, I, I think I think that hits it. I mean, when, when you say what what can you do, what can I do as a as a cloud dev to to you know make make my my stuff more resilient? I mean, well, or make my stuff more more available, I should say, is 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 factoring in resiliency in, into the design. I mean, I know that sounds you know simple, but I mean, there's there's a reason you know all all uh, everyone pays double for for network firewalls because they want two of them, right? At least, mm-hmm. right? You have you have a active and you have a standby. So so we're 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 used to factoring in resiliency. In, into our designs as, as as infrastructure architects, and and if you, if money is unlimited, I mean you can have almost everything. You can have so much resiliency; it'd be almost impossible to bring you down. But of course, we know money's not limited, so we 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 go well. Here's how much I how, here's how resilient I can afford to be, and that's how we all do things. But but even within uh, a cloud, uh, you know, we we want to factor in resiliency in, into the design, whether it be geo re, uh, redundancy or availability zone redundancy, other layers of of redundancies, and 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 beyond building in resiliency into my design, I I, I need to understand like. What are the fault lines within my architecture? Like, where can this break? In other words, if I can't get to the EC2 API, what does that hold up for my service delivery process? Like, what's going to get stopped and and how does that impact me and, and, and these sorts of things? And, and then I think, it, you know, the only thing I would add is the third thing, and in, in, in addition to building in resiliency, understanding my fault lines, is just having that visibility, right? So having, again, the same thing we're talking about here today, having visibility, uh, monitoring, and, 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 and as a result of these two things, get actionable insights. I mean, not just insights, but, but actionable insights, right? I mean, I could, I could run a Python script against my infrastructure and find out all the firmwares that are even numbered firmwares, but that's, that's, you know, that's stupid insight. That doesn't give me anything, but you know, if I have something that's beneficial, I'm like, Oh, Hey, this is a path that's, that's, you know, seeing persistent issues. And maybe you can do something with BGP to construct a different path. You know, this is SRE stuff, but you know, I mean, but, but something that's actionable. So it's, it's really, about having that visibility and visibility over a net again a network that's that used used to be considered a black box i mean you go back 20 years you know the internet was it still is a little bit but it was like the wild west it was even more wild west like it was a use it if you must kind of thing and you know but otherwise let's get our uh you know our atm ima and multi-link frame relay and build our really expensive in-house wans that we have all the control over ourselves and and, and that's how we used to do things but uh we're we're, we're now we, we've seen such a improvement in the internet over the last two two decades that we've gotten a lot of confidence to, to use it as our own personal network, right? And not just that, but you, you, you have the increased reliability and availability of the internet coupled with this kind of everything as a service. So now you've got, I, I can trust the internet a little more, not fully. And I've got all of these really lovely services out there. So I don't have to have all that CapEx on, on site. I, I, I can, you know, have reduced operational headaches of managing the infrastructure. And I have all this flexibility and agility, but... I now lose I lose some visibility and control over that stuff when, when I gain the agility to deploy across it, right? So I, I save costs, but then I'm adding costs in other ways. And, and, and you know, it's it's an interesting time, but it's it's um I think the takeaway here is 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 having that visibility, having that visibility over over the you know the black box of internet and, and all of these services. Well, actually, Chris, I do have a follow-up question to that one because <laughs> Uh, if we do have this nuanced knowledge because of all this great monitoring data and we kind of understand at a deep level even what's broken, how does that help me reduce my MTTR? Because I don't own whatever's broken. So what what am I supposed to do with all of this amazing data? I, I think about doctors, you know, pre-understanding of what germs were or anything else. 
and you're trying to, you know, fix someone's disease by, you know, throwing leeches on them to get the ghosts out of their blood. You know, it's like, it's like, that's kind of like what it, like, if you can't see what's there, how could you ever hope to fix it? Right. Um, so it was a very long-winded and folksy analogy, but the idea is, you know, without visibility into any of the problems, how are you going to do anything? And how are you going to figure out how to impact it? Whether that's you logging into a box and bouncing a service, or if that's, um, you know, getting on the horn with your vendor and providing them the information, uh, you know, to show like what, what you're seeing, like, Hey, my customers are impacted because, uh, I'm getting 500 errors every time. Like this part of my service hits your API, like what the heck is going on? Like that's super useful. You may not be able to fix that service, but you've eliminated the network. You've eliminated a regional issue impacting only a subset of customers. And you've eliminated like 90% of the backend services by narrowing it down to this one specific thing. And so you've killed uh, go, all that go troubleshooting Go back to our time. conversation about dependencies. I guess it could poke a hole in your architecture where it's like, hey, yeah. just guess what? If this service is down, your whole app is out. And so then it could be maybe go back and work with the dev team to say, if we re-architect this a little bit, we can eliminate this dependency because we can provide a redundant service for this in this other way, whatever that might be. Yeah. yeah, even even from an error handling perspective, you know, even if it's if the service is such that you can't build in redundancy, actually letting someone know, you know, like like a, a relevant error message when something happens, it goes such a long way. And I think of it just like whenever you like you call um, some something that you're a customer of, like you call your ISP and you say, I have a problem. Like the worst thing you can ever say is we don't know or we're looking into mm -hmm. it. Right. As the customer service rep on the other end. That's horrible. Like. That triggers everyone. And so even <laughs> if you think about it from like an application perspective, if that front line before your customer even reaches out to figure out what is going on, if that's telling them something helpful, like, hey, we're aware of it, or, you know, like third-party service down, something like that, which you could get to there just based on the what's happening. Like you've gone such a long way in delivering a positive customer experience, even when something isn't going right. And so I, I think that's huge. Yeah, well, let me just add to that. I mean, so, so, well, first I'll say that what you glean from from these insights, they can be both short and and, and long term things, right? Like, I uh, depends on it depends on the scenario, but maybe there's some type of a scenario that I, I can I can do some modification uh, with with BGP and 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 take it take my alternate uh, service provider, or maybe there's you know something I can uh, I can temporarily stand up in, in AWS if I you know there's some issue with uh, US East one or I, you know whatever the issue is, but and there's also going to be long long term gains. I mean, maybe I, I, I'm seeing a persistent issue with um, one of one of my CDN providers. I you know for whatever reason, or my 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 video hosting provider. You know, and, and I need to make some changes, or, or I, I need to uh, you know work something out with with that particular provider. So I I I think with the with the complexity of of all of these service endpoints scattered across the internet. Um, you know, not having that visibility is certainly not going to not going to help anything. Um, and then having the visibility, you do get these long and short term kind of gains. And 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 to to what Barry said, if, if nothing else, uh, you know, in IT ops, one of one of the key things of working through these 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 kind of these these issues is, is to inform uh, stakeholders, set expectations, provide status updates. And, and like Barry said, if you just say, hey. Uh, yes, that critical business service you use, it's down. It's, it's, we can't do anything about it and we'll just wait. Uh, that, that, that's really not, a very, <laughs> that's not gonna, that's not gonna go over very, very well with, uh, with, with the org. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, 
IT ops process is is, is going to you know mandate that we have some type some type of thing to work through, even if we get to the end of going, hey, here's service ownership, here here's here's uh, you know who 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 is responsible for this problem. We're in we're in communication with them, and 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 you know I can provide status updates on that. So. Well, Barry, Chris, let's bring this in for a landing. Do you have some key takeaways for the audience out there? Yeah, so I, I think what we what we've learned, um, and and just all of this monitoring that, that we're doing is is that everything's connected, uh, everything's uh, interdependent. So. If, if, if I'm responsible for, you know, not just service delivery, but uh, availability of, of, of some, some application, you know, I, I have to know what all those pieces are. I have to know not only how they're connected, but how I can uh, provide service assurance for the, 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 the total application experience, as well as verify uh, service level of all these individual pieces. So, you know, in the case of uh, Amazon's outage, for example, we we, we saw that uh, their API gateway was having an, having an issue, and of course, on the back end, it, you know, it impact all, all of these other services that depend on it. So, uh, you know, we 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 look at the example of just all of these additional SaaS uh, services that we interact with, even at at the application de- you know developer level, right? Like I'm talking to PayPal, I'm talking to Vimeo, I'm I'm, I'm talking to GitHub, I'm talking to all these different things. Uh, I'm using federated authentication, right? So now I maybe I'm, I'm relying on Facebook's authentication uh, service to do something with my application. So it's it's, it's it can be a real nightmare uh, if if you don't have a way to uh, uh, glean insights uh, about the performance of all these services and and some way to to basically represent a user experience that says, hey, those twenty services on the back end that are stitched together. Here's how it's looking for a customer when 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 they go through the uh, application experience, and 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 then to provide that kind of layered visibility to to tell me, well, hey, when it's not working well, when it's not performing well, here's exactly where it's breaking down. Um, and I think that's just that that couldn't be more critical today. I I, I think it's always been critical to, to have that level of visibility, but I think it's even more critical considering we, we just don't own the infrastructure that we're relying on. And I think another thing that uh, that we talked about today that's really important is just, you know, we were discussing the AWS and Azure outages, but um, it's really reminding ourselves that, that an, an outage doesn't necessarily mean the same thing it always has. It doesn't mean it's hard down. It means that there's a litany of things that can happen, whether that's degraded performance, whether that's really specific workflows being impacted, whether that's not even being able to get past the front door because authentication is down. And so I think the idea is, you know, you have to be deliberate in your actions, both from a design perspective, when you're building these services, when you're selecting what microservices to incorporate into the application, but also um, when you're planning for day two, you know, like when you're, you're working from an operational perspective, or from with an operational frame of mind and building out monitoring, building out, um, you know, your, your service level objectives, everything, uh, you, you really just have to uh, think holistically, right? Because it's not just as simple as hitting the front door. It's really, you need a good mapping of the services and you need a good understanding of what normal is so you can detect deviations and, and really understand, uh, you know, is this impacting my business? Is this going to cost, uh, you know, me, whether that's from a financial perspective or even a, a brand reputation perspective internally or externally. So I think that's one of the huge takeaways there. 
Yeah, no, I disagree. I, I think having a, a historic data baseline and, and, and continuous monitoring, you know, coupled with historic baseline is, 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 is critical just to, to understand how, how I'm performing. Yeah. Um, I would just add to you know another takeaway is you know and it's like what we just mentioned is is if if I'm if I'm a service desk or I'm an SRE or I'm IT operations and, and I, I don't have an answer that's the worst thing I, I I can I can say is hey there's something down and I just don't have an answer uh, you know when we look at our example of of uh, app outages this is this is what this was was built for uh, it, you know for for quickly. Uh, providing that end-to-end -end view across the uh, entirety of, of digital supply chain and, 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 and getting that insight as to what might be happening that's, you know, is it affecting, is it affecting me? Is it affecting other people? Is it, is it you know, is it a provider? Is it uh, internet provider, cloud provider? You know, so, so you know, having, having that visibility, I think, is, is uh, or having that answer really is really critical. And, and with Thousand Eyes, I mean, that's, that's, that's what we strive for, right? I mean, is, 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 is giving as much visibility as possible. I mean, we have, uh, well, to that you point, know. Chris, you're gathering data from glo a global vantage point. You're, you're taking measurements from all over the world. Yeah. There's, there's like 400 different ones around the globe that we're using all the time. And that's not inclusive of, you know, what our customers are doing from their own environments. So it's, it's just an insanely comprehensive data set that we use to draw these conclusions. Right. So it's not just, is my service down? It's, uh, you know, I I'm in Brunswick, Ohio working from home and I have an ISP issue that's impacting me. It's getting to that level of detail because we're casting such a broad net and it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, that was the problem we had to solve, right. It's, it's just being able to give enough vantage points, visibility. And to, to your point, uh, Barry, I mean, we, we do, we have uh, 400, over 400 service provider network locations, 195 cities, 61 countries uh, where we've deployed and, 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 and managed these, these cloud agents. And on top of, uh, you know, all the locations that, that customers are putting the enterprise agents, right? So it, it, it really gives us the ability to, uh, uh, any use case you can think of for cloud, whether I'm a cloud native developer, whether I'm an e-commerce uh, portal manager, uh, whether I want to get the perspective of customers, the perspective of, of you know, the, the development team trying to do service delivery, uh, you know, whatever it is, I, I, I have the ability to get that that visibility, that A to B uh, measurement, uh, analytics, heuristics, uh, visibility to tell me exactly what's happening at you know in, in any given time relative to how it performed in the past as well with that historic baseline. Very good, very good. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Barry. If folks want to know more, you've piqued their interest. Barry, do you have some some links or places folks should go to to learn more about Thousand Eyes? Yeah, just head on over to thousandeyes.com. Uh, you know, we've got links to our blog. We've got white papers, um, state of the cloud reports, videos, uh, you know, pretty much anything you want to know, um, you can get to from our main page. Excellent. And, and if and if folks want to go to thousandeyes.com slash packet pushers, they'll know that they came straight from here. <laughs> they could <laughs> smash that like and subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barry Wayne and Chris Velame, thank you so much for appearing today on Day 2 Cloud. And our special thanks to Cisco Thousand Eyes for sponsoring today's episode. That is how Ethan and I feed our families Every week, they keep asking for more food. Jeez. Uh, virtual high fives to you for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. But we hope it's time well spent. Ideally, you walk away from a day two cloud podcast being able to do what you do just a little bit better so you can feed your own families who are probably also demanding more food. 
Uh, if you have suggestions for future shows, we would love to hear about it. You can hit either of us up on Twitter. We both monitor at day two cloud show, or you can fill out the form on my fancy website, nedinthecloud.com. If you like engineering oriented shows like this one, visit packetpushers.net slash subscribe. All of our podcasts, newsletters, and websites are there. It's all nerdy content designed for your professional career development. Until then, just remember cloud is what happens while IT is making other plans.